Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, we're back. Chris, I'm happy to be here with you today. The topic uh, that I want to touch on is presentations. Every salesperson presents, every organization thinks they have to present. Um, but there are some rules here. And But before we get into those rules, man, I want to talk about what's going on inside the heads, between the ears of the leaders and people um, who think they know how to present. Mm. <laughs> um and because it because it impacts our customers, man, I mean, it has an impact on what goes on between their ears uh, when they're sitting there listening to us drone on. And what's worse, when they're sitting there listening to presenter after presenter after presenter in the, in the context of an RFP or some kind of evaluation, we got to flip the script. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 so cool to see how you've put to words what it looks like for a sales leader to be secure in who they are. They, they're they not uh, out there for their own ego or insecurities. And so then you can kind of wait and let moments develop and and what it means to be patient and all the things that, that we've journeyed together in these episodes with. But as today you start thinking about that presentation, this is the moment where you can notice so powerfully, so clearly for those that want to see it, how their insecurities or how their ego shows up in that presentation. When the presentation is for your ego, you're, for, for the insecurities you feel, for the moments that you're trying to avoid because it would terrify you if, if blank were to happen, what you're doing actually is building your presentation around avoiding that thing happening. So like in our work, you know, we talk about this idea of identity fear. If somebody has an identity fear that they're not adequate or capable, then they'll put too much information in the presentation because they want the person listening to go, oh my gosh, that person knows what they're talking about. They have thought of everything. And and I've got every question they, you know, some people have that identity fear where they're trying to wow people with their performance or their achievement. And so then they want to really splash in with the presentation and and they want them to go, wow, this is the best presentation we've ever seen, you know, and, and you can actually track through these different responses and there's nine of them, but you can track through these different responses and see how you're building the presentation to avoid feeling the pain of your insecurity. Here's the money line, not for the person you're presenting to. When you actually build for the person you're presenting to, you're having a completely different conversation. You're thinking more about them than what you're trying to avoid have happen or, you know, shoot for having happen. Yeah. And yeah, I could go on love and on it. for this. No, I love it. And I want to spend more time on this. So, 
you know, when you, when you talk about proving and hiding, so here are things I've learned from you, which have made me so much better. I was that dude that loaded a presentation. Now, I might have present, I might have created two hours worth of material for forty five minutes just to make sure I had everything covered in case. Um, but if we just think about this in the context of our discussion here around sales and leveraging the wins model and showing up as a servant leader identifying shared goals and walking them down a shared path, we should have already prepared ourselves for these presentation for this presentation uh, by following the wins model and leveraging a Q&A or interview uh, um, agenda that gave us clear insight into what the client wants and what every individual in the, in the audience wants, the impact they seek, how they're going to be measuring and making a decision so that we're clear on exactly what we should be presenting. We shouldn't have, with this kind of visibility, we shouldn't have the struggle you know, that we internally with proving and hiding. I mean, is that fair to say, or is that just my kind of naivete in this regard? Well, I think I would say it this way, new levels bring new devils. So, you know, if you're out there and you're making presentations and it's, you know, high five figure, six figure presentations and you're comfortable with that, that conversation is something you've done numerous times. There's an ease with which you do it. You're out of your own way on it in a good way. You're comfortable in your own skin. And there are plenty of people that are presenting at those levels that are not those things. But let's say you are. And then you find yourself doing uh, you know, a multi-million dollar presentation, you're going to feel nervous energy around that, or you don't care. It would be weird if you didn't feel anything. And you actually need a little bit of that adrenaline to be at your best. You just want those butterflies in your stomach to fly in formation, as they say. Hmm. So then you are as crisp and as sharp as possible, but you're relaxed with it. You know, as our friend Brett talks about, a relaxed intensity. Um, you you bring your best emotionally, mentally, physically, but you're also, you know, at an ease with it. And so, you know, I know for myself, I can look back and go, okay, uh, let's look at the top three biggest deals I've presented on. You know, even if you're using like a template or a deck, you know, some kind of format, the, the two out of the three of those that I closed and and – you know, those were, I, I built them even with a template specific for that person, not for what I needed to convince them of. And the one that I didn't, um, I did not lead the process. I walked into a conference room and it was too laid back. I don't mean casual in a laid back way, good. I mean, too laid back in a way of me not asking the right questions. I'm putting things on the board. And, and then, you know, nada, nada. They didn't end up working with me and their company ended. So, yeah. They learned a bad lesson. No, I'm not saying because of that. <laughs> but this this whole thing is like, you know, you're as good as you are. Anybody listen to this? As good as you are at the level you're currently at, you can always be better. If you're, I mean, we've worked with people that are at ninety five percent. To see them move to ninety eight percent, that's so much harder. So much harder to gain these little percentage points. And then when you go to new levels, and let's say you're doing multi six figure dollar deals, and then you're moving into this realm where you're doing multi million dollar presentations, now you're at 70% of your effectiveness. You got a gap to close. You can close a little bit easier and faster to get to that 90. But on those upper numbers, that's, that's where the greater awareness is needed. 
Right. So you, you talked about patience before. So the, the principle that we talk about is that the earlier you present, typically the less effective you're going to be. So when we talk about having an appropriate level of patience, we want to put off the presentation for as long as we can until we believe that we are ready for that presentation. Right? Because the, the, more, the earlier you do it, the more likely you are to be educating buyers on your solution and not on their problem. You're going to be talking more and asking fewer questions. Mm. Um, you're right. The earlier that you present, uh, the less you know about um, what, uh, the less qualified that buyer is, for example, and the yeah. more premature any recommendation you make is going to be. And so that's going to create a disconnect with the people in the audience. Uh, the earlier you present, the more likely you're going to be uh, to be viewed as a transactional seller, right? Um, and you're going to be more likely to accept buyer put-offs and stalls because of the disconnect between the two of you. Mm-hmm. So we, there's lots of, and there's lots of other reasons that, to be thinking about this, but the main thing we want to do in a presentation, if we think about the objective, is you want to create anticipation for a next step. You want to create that anticipation and momentum So the absolute wrong thing in a presentation is to give away too much. If you answer every question or make the the buyer feel like they've got every question answered, there's no reason to engage you afterwards. There's no reason to continue with you. So we go back to this idea of thinking about the presentation as not presenting a gift, but actually as identifying the gift and wrapping it. (laughs) You present them with a gift that's wrapped that has yet to be opened, something ah. magical, something that they that's going to create that anticipation. Yeah. That requires, I think, Chris, what the hell, what you're talking about, dude. I mean, it requires a mindset that is showing up without this need to prove or hide, without too much of my ego involved, you know, hyper-focused on the task at hand. Yeah. I, at a core level, everyone is presenting to validate the other or be validated and 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 to feel something about themselves or to help them feel something now are we ever a hundred percent clean i'm a hundred percent for the audience in this presentation no there's just no way i mean i'm there for something that i get out of it right i just at least want to be 51 percent about it for them (laughs) and uh and maybe some days i'm 72 and maybe some days i'm 85 uh, I love the yin yang of this for us because I've had to learn all this the hard way, man. I mean, and I know for the next episode, we'll talk about the proposal. So I'm saying this out loud for the listeners and for us to remember to tell you the story about when I proposed to my wife and how I botched it up so bad with every principle we've talked about up to this point. But on the presentation piece, even when the audience says they're ready for the presentation, if you right. haven't patiently done your work to attract, then they can even say they're ready, but they may not be. And then you're stuck with your, with your five-second fiancé, been my fiancé for five seconds at this point, with a ring on her finger crying and goes, take it off. We'll save that for next week, <laughs> next session. But dude, it's because uh, I violated all this stuff, man. Right, 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 right. I love it. Well, I can't wait to hear that story, man. Um, 
we'll make some extra time for that. Uh, but I, it, it reminds me though of, you know, there's so many analogies when it comes to sales and selling and presenting, especially if you're presenting to a room of people, um, four, five, 15, 20, a hundred. Uh, I know that a lot of us um, sell into steering committees. A lot of us who sell into government, um, you know, we're going to be presenting to rooms of people who've never met us before, who probably did not read any of the preparatory materials in advance of the meeting. They probably have no idea why they're there. And so the question is like, you know, the question is, you know, are you thinking uh, about yourself and your material or are you thinking about the audience and how ready they are, not just to hear, uh, but to listen and absorb and process what you want them to process. Mm. Well, and that's, you know, you're getting what you want, sadly, even when you're insecure, you're just self-sabotaging. You're aiming for them to go, oh man, this was the best presentation ever, you know, whatever it is, you're aiming to fit in. I mean, people don't even know the unconscious drives that are happening in these moments, but the way you can figure it out is when you feel lost, when you get stressed, when that oh shit moment happens and you're deer in the headlights and you feel like you're on stage playing and you just played the wrong note, what do you do next? You know, if you, if you go into proving and hiding, hiding from this moment that can be so powerful or proving, trying to force things, you miss the moment to make great music, which would just be what? The next right note whatever that is, just play that. So when you have this mindset that says, I'm attached to the process more than the result. I'm attached to getting to know these people, to understand them, to serve them more than I'm just trying to close this deal. You may see something starting to happen in the moment that means you need to pause and do the presentation later because you need to explore something. Um, or, or you, you add something in that you didn't plan on or take something away, but like, that's why this isn't in an email. Cause how many presentations have you sat through where you're like, why couldn't they just send this as an email? I could have just read it. <laughs> you know, what makes right. it something worth showing up for even by video now and virtual is this has, this has human interaction to it. It's real. It's organic. There's a volley, we could say it this way, of vulnerability, not inappropriate vulnerability, but there's a volley of vulnerability going back and forth as this moment is shaping up into this journey we're going to take together. And uh, man, that's that's rewarding. That's fulfilling. It's motivating. There's meaning in it. You're inspired. You're connecting. You want to give them their best, your best. They want to give you their best. That's where I want to live. Right, right. My, one of my favorite things to think about before I get in front of an audience of one, or doesn't matter how many buyers remember how you made them feel, mm. or they don't remember you at all. Mm. Um, and, you know, so, you know, one, how am I going to make them feel? <laughs> and is it the right feeling? Is it the feeling I want them to leave with? Um, you know, it goes to this idea of being memorable. Uh, but there, you can be remembered for something that advances the sale. You can be remembered for something that stops the sale short or the relationship short. Um, so when I think, when I think, Chris, about making people feel a way that's going to advance my relationship or get me back in the room for the decision and part of that decision, I want to make them 
feel in a very specific way. First, I want to make them feel like, um, yeah, they are um, smart. They are competent. You know, they are worthy, right? I don't want to walk into the room and make them feel like dog shit. I don't want to make them feel like they don't know what the hell they're doing because they've got a business or they've got a life. They've been successful. They've got the cash to buy your stuff. There's got to be something they're doing right. Can I show up? And present in a way that makes them feel less than, mm. right? So let's support them to a degree, but let's also become partners in identifying the challenge. I want them to feel like, yeah, there is room for improvement. There is something missing that I want to focus on. The question is, am I making them feel like I'm somebody, I'm the right person to help them get there? Mm. In order to do that, man, I can't just, I can't be pitching my solution. I got to be helping them and me better understand their problem. Mm. You know, for many folks, that presentation or that capabilities presentation, I don't care what you call it, but if all you do is pitch your solution or your capabilities, you are wasting your time, you're wasting their time. 15 minutes in, if you make it that long, you'll be seeing steam coming out of their ears because it's like, why am I wasting my time here? Yeah, We've got to leave them thinking about the problem they face. So it creates that anticipation for the solution and the momentum toward a next step that will include you because you're the one that helped them see the light. And then you're, you know, if you, if you don't take this approach, you're missing that opportunity in helping them see the light to be that trusted advisor, kind of confidant going forward. And, and, and this goes back to something that we talked about in an earlier episode. I loved how you framed it when you talked about, I think it's worth repeating this and then I'll connect the dots. The, the guy that had told you, Hey, some people take, I'm going to butcher it, but some people take me to the baseball game and buy me a beer. Some people, right. what was the other? And it was, yeah, it's finish a, that a, and then I'll connect a local it. CIO who has three kinds of, salespeople that he works with one you know he he works with them because they entertain him they take him to games and dinner the other kind of see uh salesperson he works with educates him on the latest technology and the third kind of salesperson he deals with he actually buys from so he knows what he can get from those people yeah based on their the techniques they use to quote unquote build relationships now now here's something i got for you do I want to be in relationship and sell to people that always want to be away from their families at night if they have families? No. I mean, the people that I am connected to the deepest in life in relationships are the people that, you know, we, we foster deep community in our work and in our mission, you being one of those, but we also are very committed to our family rhythms and being there for the people that we love, doing things with healthy boundaries. And, and here's what I know. You know, I, I love being with people. I love people. I caught up with somebody that, uh, an outside meeting yesterday with somebody who's purchased a number of times from me. I was excited just to be with him. He had a question, he wanted to get together. And so, Jimmy, my heart was just full to hang out with him. But here's the thing. Why not make... Even these experiences, when we're presenting, when we're in the process of delivering services or whatever it is that we're, why not make that rich? Why not make that meaningful? That for me is not a pipe dream. That's a reality. I don't, 
you know, I don't have to take you away and entertain you so that we endure the buying process or we endure the delivery of whatever you bought. That all is a part of this vision of what it means to do relationships. That's how I think about it. Mm. Controversy or pushback? I mean, that definitely creates controversy for some of the listeners, but let's um, see if we can clean it we up can some normalize it a bit because <laughs> well because what i think you know because a lot of salespeople are like look i've got to sell this stuff and i'm not going to i'm not going to limit who can buy to whether or not we approve of your your value systems right we, we don't we don't have the time for that we don't have the ability to do that necessarily however what i will say to you where I will endorse what you've said is for all salespeople is that we know for sure. And it has been proven time and again, uh, that the customers who are the most aligned with your corporate values are the customers who are going to become have the best chance of becoming long-term profitable partners, um, for your business. So yes, you could, you may want to sell to anyone who's got the cash and whose problem you can solve without judgment. But we also know that those folks that are well aligned with your core values that could finish your sentences, man, those customers become, um, those become the people that sustain the growth of your business long-term and actually build value in your company. Yeah. I like, I like the way that you've said it. I think that is a, a, a wise take. I think my, uh, take definitely comes from a context more of like service provi- sure. providing services. So you're sure. with the people. So it's like, would I want to get in a car and go on a road trip with you? If not, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. right. Well, that's, that's totally cool because you know, we're talking about coaching here, right? I mean, 80% of the success of a coaching relationship is the dynamic that exists between the coach and client. So totally understand the importance of aligning values here right there's no there's just no question about it uh what makes i think what makes SightShift amazing is that you've distilled uh, the coaching into a curriculum that is universal that um anyone can apply uh regardless of where they are in their journey uh and that's what makes what you do scalable and eminently valuable to you know a parent or to the ceo of a fortune 50 company Dude, get out of here. Thank you, man. This that felt so good to hear you Sincerely, say that. Yeah. Dude, yeah. yeah. And I think for me, you know, I probably have watched too many um, Mad Men episodes where it was all about, you know, the guy flies in and they got to take him to, you know, be entertained. And then, you know, they party and, okay, did you close the deal? And, and that person coming in is wanting to get some of that entertainment as a way of justifying it from a business expense or whatever. Right. And, right. and, and it's all part of the schmoozing and, and what's crazy. And I'm seeing this as things are opening up more now, people commenting specifically, even on sales, like, uh, you know, Hey, it was fine on zoom before it'll still be fine on zoom. I don't want to have to, you know, give up more time or, you know, people are more pressed than ever on their time. And so, yeah, patient to get yeah. to that moment where the presentation is asked for. Beautiful. Right. Right. And you're bringing up so much for me. Um, you know, when you talk about Mad Men and I, I love Mad Men and, um, but it brings up that, that 
the difference between seduction and attraction. And I have mm-hmm. to, I have to mention this because it aligns with what you're talking about when we show up and um, we don't have our mindset straight. And I'd love you to talk about this in the context of your, of your coaching, um, you know, seduction versus attraction, you know, um, what's the difference between the two and how do you help folks think about uh, how they make sure they show up in a functional way? Yeah. I, you know, cause we're talking about in the context of leadership. So this is what popped in my head just now. I don't, I haven't made this connection before, but we'll go with it. Hitler was a seducer. So he seduced people with a vision. He seduced people with theatrics to get them to buy into what he was selling and then follow a very nasty, destructive program. Um, I mean, the number of oftentimes leaders that are capable in skill in the beginning stages of a company because they're seducers, they can bring the vision, they, they have woo, they win people over. The number of leaders who have a difficult time moving from an insecure seduction to a secure in who they are attraction is so high. And, it, and they, that's why they can't lead the organization in later and greater stages. And it's, you know, see this with salespeople starting out, they don't make that transition to being world-class at a master level because they're getting by on wooing people, even manipulating them. I and mean, we see this in parenting, you know, a, a, a strong father casts a big shadow and an insecure father manipulates and tries to pressure or seduce that child into becoming who they want them to become. A healthy, strong father steps to the side and lets that light hit that child so that child can become who they were meant to be. You know, so over and over organizationally, leadership development, and of course, sales, the application is there. Which kind of leader are you? And um, yeah, learning every Mm -hmm. day, this for myself. Yeah, and we're talking about practicing sales as a leadership competency, right? We are not just taking orders. We are guiding our buyers along um, a shared path to a shared goal. Uh, It's interesting for me, um, as I sold in the first half of my career, um, I, I I actually was developing the wins model without realizing it, but I wasn't practicing it in a healthy way. I was one of those seducers, right? And so I I was racked with insecurity and you know, just felt like I had to be on and special and amazing all the time. Um, and if you operate that way, right, in that seduction mode, you're never really building value or equity. And you're, you end up creating a pretty scarce and um, superficial and uh, empty life. And that's really what, uh, in my professional life, it's really what caused me to break out of that mold and into what I'm doing today. Um, so, and, and we saw that even in, you know, even though it's fiction, you know, Mad Men, the same thing happened. That that life of superficial uh, seduction uh, can't survive. You've got to, at some point in your life, face the reality of what is valuable, what is meaningful. And even in the example of our CIO who um, uses the seducers, the entertainer, and the educator, I'm going to seduce you with how much I know. I'm going to seduce you with uh, where I can take you and entertain you. 
he recognized those folks for who, who they were and he bought from the person who brought value. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. That's an inspirational, I think, model to take away today. Who, who are we? Who are we becoming? If you feel like you're off on any of this, it's okay. Just adjust, recalibrate. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's freeing, it's liberating, it's empowering, and uh, and it'll make you money. Ooh, killer mic drop line. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.